Welcome to the Heather Penny Podcast, where our goal is to help you reach your potential by increasing clarity, building confidence, and engaging courage. Dr. Heather Penny is a leadership coach, trusted advisor, and admired author. I'm Christina Morales, a writer and marketer, and Heather is my dear friend and my coach. So today we're concluding our marriage partnership series, which has been fabulous. (laughs) And we're going to conclude with keeping the conversation going. How do we implement this into our everyday lives? So we've covered a lot of ground in this series concerning marriage, but unfortunately it's like exercise. You can't just run every day in January and expect to look good in June. So so what types of health checks do you and Darren do to ensure that everything's okay? And how often do you do a check-in, Heather? Oh, well, I know what the right answer is. (laughs) We're really consistent and we're good and we know all the signs and we know how to do it. But that's not really the case. The The truth is we're both high achievers. We're both running our own companies. Um, we both are very zealous and passionate about life. And so we've got lots of interests. And typically what happens is it starts breaking down and we don't quite notice it. And then it gets a little messy. And then we, then we put on the brakes. Hmm. So I think as we're aging, we're trying to catch it quicker and just say, oops, that was a little snarky or <laughs> I feel a little tension or I can feel myself wanting to avoid, avoid you. These are things we're starting to recognize quicker so that we don't just keep pushing through or moving into our own big, beautiful lives and say, eh, I'll deal with that later. Or eh, it didn't really bother me when it did. We're trying to figure out how to get to say it kinder and quicker so that it doesn't pile up. Mm-hmm. Um. And we just mentioned that you're doing a bit of marriage coaching. Uh, What's the difference between a marriage counselor and a marriage coach? And which one should a couple choose or an an individual choose? Does it depend on the circumstance? Can you go into that a little bit? Sure. I think if your marriage is really in crisis, you're going to want to step into counseling together. Um, And typically it's, you know, you're, you're on the brink of really figuring out if you can make it work. You're at the, you're at a hard stop of understanding what to do next. I think counseling is really critical for that. And you get you all in the same room and start talking about it. I think coaching is for a little bit more on the other side when you've said, yeah, we've worked through some of our own personal stuff, but we want more skill set on how to build a better union together. I think that's where I like to step in as a coach and say, if you've done some of your own personal work and your own personal growth work, as my therapist used to call it, (laughs) do your growth work, Heather. Um, I think then a a coach is a really great person to engage to say, we've done some of our work. Now we're really excited about building this marriage together and and finding new ways to build a a thriving marriage that we are hoping for. Mm -hmm. Um, And we just talked about you and I before this, good coaches, good counselors, and bad coaches and bad counselors. Yeah. Uh, how do you find a reputable one? How do you find a good one? Yeah, I've heard some pretty bad stories out there, and I I feel so bad when I hear about them. Um, and you know, I think you, we all know the old adage that a lot of therapists go into therapy because of their own issues, right? Right. So my hope is that you find a therapist that is working through their own issues and um, didn't didn't just move into the profession and is still kind of stuck in mm. their own baggage. So you got to find out someone who's doing their own work and committed to getting to the other side. One of the things I 
really like to check is do you hire your own coaches and counselors? Mm. It's kind of something I'm curious about. Why? Because I'm a coach and I hire them all. And I'm aware, really aware of the fact that the work that I do with people, I don't want to project any of my stuff over onto them. Wow. And I want to have that integrity to own my, my consistent growth. So being in the growth field, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I want to have the integrity to have the people in my life. And I personally hire them to continuously perpetuate my growth. So I think it's a, it is a high standard. It's an ethical standard for me. So I'd like to carry it over to anyone else in the growth field. You know, mm-hmm. what's, and, and some of them will tell you and some of them won't, some of them offer it freely, but I also feel like, you know what, if you value that, you're going to be transparent about it. Yeah. Right. So I'm pretty transparent about it. I don't want anyone to think that I've got everything together. I want them to understand that I'm very comfortable with growth and I too am on the journey of growth and I have never arrived and I'm going to meet you in your journey to support you with where you're at, but I'm not going to pretend to be the all-knowing advice giver. Mm-hmm. My goal is to help you find your own, listen to your own inner wisdom that's sitting in there. It's just probably, probably got messed up, mm-hmm. <laughs> probably got laying dormant, probably got hidden, you know, beat up by life, whatever you want to say. My goal is to help you pull out that inner wisdom and do some, uh, some clarity work so that you can confidently, courageously start moving into your life. So is this something that couples should do individually together, a mixture of both? What, what are you seeing in your practice? Well, it's a good question. I actually stumbled into it because I kept getting asked (laughs) and I kept saying, no, Uh (laughs) I did not want to touch marriage with a 10 foot pole, but I started working with some amazing couples who said, who had done their work who were, were looking for not just to fix their marriage. They were looking for this amazing, beautiful partnership. Mm. And I started realizing that was kind of my standard. When I work with couples, I'll say, you've got to do your own work. Mm-hmm. You've got to, and I have to, you know, I have to hear about a little bit of this. And then I got to hear that you have this commitment with each other to build a beautiful marriage. And then I'll start with you with that. But mm-hmm. if I hear a disconnect and commitment, if I hear that maybe one's done the work or neither one has done the work and they want me to quote, fix their marriage, mm-hmm. now I won't step into that because that that's them trying to find the magic pill, okay. <laughs> the brass ring. Yeah. And I won't ever try and step into that. But if they're trying to move forward in life and create a, a partnership and a friendship and an intimacy that they're that they know they're capable of, that they're just not quite sure how to do it together, then I'll step into that. And I think I've gotten a lot of pleasure in in working with those type of couples. Mm -hmm. And if a couple isn't in a place financially to uh, pay for coaching or counseling, do you have any resources on creating a healthy marriage that you recommend, like a favorite book you have or a website? Wow. I don't. And I don't really offer marriage resources. Isn't that funny? (laughs) (laughs) I'm realizing that sounds kind of funny to me, but I think it's because I believe the best gift you can give your marriage is to work on yourself. Mm, Okay. So I usually point people back to um, whatever it is they're grappling with. If it's spiritual Mm. issues, I'll give them contemplative readers um, if it's psychological issues, like one of codependency, I was just texting today, Melody Beattie is a great one. Codependency mm-hmm. is a real issue in marriages. So mm-hmm. understanding how to recover from that, Melody Beattie, the language of letting go, any of that kind of stuff is really powerful for owning your own power in your marriage and your strength. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, some people, it's a spirituality thing. And so I'll refer them over to contemplative writers and readers like Richard Rohr, um, Brene Brown, one of my mm-hmm. favorites to kind of own your own strength and your presence. You know, Brene just does a great job saying, be, be you and be yeah. fully you <laughs> and own it and keep owning it and keep owning it and keep owning it. I think that's what marriage is. Keep showing up with who you are and who you're evolving into. Mm-hmm. And here where the other person is as well, make it a 50, 50 dialogue where you're ha- creating this newer and newer levels of union over the years. Mm-hmm. But it takes a personal intentionality and a personal commitment more than it takes both of you sitting on the couch, listening to each other, if that makes sense. <laughs> totally. Well, I get that because like when I'm looking back on the arguments and the hiccups that Vince and I have had, mm-hmm. I could see that it, it starts with me, like the issue I had that I projected on him. Like we said in a past episode, I didn't know how to fight. So I would just cower in the corner. Well, the, the problem wasn't our marriage. The problem was that I didn't know how to communicate. And I was so sensitive that I didn't know how to process. I mean, he never said anything horrible, but it was, mm-hmm. you know, if he said something, I would take it so internally and personally, and I had to process that. So I, I totally get what you're saying. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And, you know, I think I, it reminds me probably about 15, 20 years ago, my husband read a book by John Eldridge called Wild at Heart, and mm-hmm. it was for men. And I picked it up and read it <laughs> because it was so moving to him and transforming wow. to him. Yeah. And it had a lot of spiritual concepts of the developmental stages of men and integrated his personal faith. And so I was so curious about it. I asked him, can I read it? So I read it to understand more of what was transforming my husband. Mm-hmm. And I still think about what I learned about that. And one of the main things is men need adventure. Mm-hmm. It was just a core thought in here's me. I want relational connection. I want a team feeling. My husband wants that and enjoys that, but he really wants adventure. How do I support that? And so it's just basic awarenesses and truths that he owned and started moving into and then exposed me to a little bit more of who he is. And it became part of our language. Mm -hmm. So I would say, I still to this day, I already know. I'm like, well, what do you need for adventure? I mean, he's looking at buying a, um, motorhome. Uh, like I said, we have our e-bikes. He's a mountain climber. I mean, he just got me a big old backpack and a sleeping bag oh, to Lord. go to. Yeah. But it rained and snowed. So I was like, I think I dodged that bullet, <laughs> but I'm also semi looking forward to it too, because I know I get swept up as adventures, but I have to like tailor it down. I'm going, I don't think I want a week, but how about I do two nights? Okay. Like, yeah. Let's do that. You know, I've kept like a negotiate some of his adventure, but also give him the freedom to go enjoy his. So he goes on this trip with these guys once a year and it's in the wild wilderness and it's for days on end. And it's so far removed that I have no cell coverage. Really? So I go, go be free, go be wild. (laughs) I'll, I'll be here home waiting for you on the other side, but I've got my dreams too, that I want. I want to go write a book. I want to go do these things. I want to build my presence in the world. And so he gets to support that piece in me. Hmm. So I think as we understand each other more, and, and whatever voices out there are helping our, that we're each listening to mm-hmm. go listen to them, go listen to what the other person's listening to and say, well, how is this impact? Mm, good. I don't have to own it and be that, but if it's transforming your life, then I'm going to pick it up and read it and listen to it so I can better understand him. So I can better love him and support him as a wife. Mm-hmm. 
And looking back on some of the hardest times in your marriage, what do you wish you had known? I think I, I wish I would have known more of what it means to truly be loved mm-hmm. unconditionally and how to offer it unconditionally. Mm-hmm. I think I had so many blocks on that for a variety of reasons, but mm-hmm. I just feel like in my last, the second half of my marriage, I think that's what I'm really focusing on. Mm-hmm. What does it look like to really cultivate unconditional love? in our world and in our, in our marriage together. How do you do that? What does that look like? Um, honestly, it's something I'm trying to put in the forefront of my mind Mm -hmm. and say, how do I love myself? How do I love my husband? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, I think what I learned earlier on, as I reflect back in the first 27 years of my marriage, I don't think I loved myself very well. Mm-hmm. You know, I pushed myself, I drove myself and how we treat ourselves is how we start treating other people. And particularly those that are closest to us, they start getting a little bit of the behavior and probably the bad behavior of how we treat ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think once I started recognizing that connection, I just thought, Heather, the best, the best thing you can do is love yourself well so that you can love love your, your people. Well, <laughs> and mm-hmm. my people really being my husband and two kids, I wanted to make sure that I was stepping into that better. And I think that's my focus because I do really believe that love is the strongest power of all, but I don't think I've really quite understand it. And I think that's the beauty of uh, the, the commitment to a longer marriage, which I'm all in is learning to say, wow, I just scratched the surface. <laughs> of what it means to love after 27 years of marriage, the next 27 years. Yeah. I get to do better in this mm-hmm. and be kinder to myself and love myself better and receive it. And when it's off, I get to, I get to step into this and say, Hey, this doesn't feel very loving. How are you feeling about it? Mm-hmm. How do we love each other better in this? And that's a question we're both now asking. And I think in your younger years, you don't feel loved. You get mad, you lash out, you, <laughs> It just becomes a mess, right? Yeah. We can't really grapple with that deeper issue of I'm not feeling loved mm-hmm. or I haven't been loving myself. So I'm not being very loving toward you. Mm-hmm. And I think as we're stepping into that, it, we're slowing down our pace of life, being more present to this um, ability to love each, love each other better, love ourselves better. And we're trying to find what that looks like for us. I think we should call the first 20 years the newlywed stage because it does take about 20 years to figure ourselves out and figure love out, figure out the other person. That's, there's a lot to unravel there. Right. Right. And that's why even when you move into other marriages, you know, you, sometimes you bring your baggage with you, but sometimes you bring your lessons that you learned, you know, that's Mm -hmm. why some of these other marriages are much more fulfilling. You chose to learn from that first marriage. So again, I have no judgment for people who are grappling with marriage who might need to leave, leave different marriages or maybe made a mistake in different marriages. It's just, we're all trying to figure this out. And Mm -hmm. the most important thing to do is say, how are we learning from every experience that we had so that we can love ourselves better and we can love others better? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now here's the, the $50 million question. How do you keep the passion and fire going in your marriage? Hubba da hubba. 
and keep it PG. Oh my gosh. <laughs> or yeah. not. No. I know. Just so, yeah. Huh. I'm probably blushing. Um, <laughs> well, I just know like my husband and I were great partners. Uh-huh. We're great friends. But then you get into that day to day and it's just like you're co-living together. And it gets really yeah. hard to, to, you know, when you first see them the first time in your 20 or whatever and you have yeah. the pitter patter. Yes. You know, how, how do you keep it going? It is a different, you know, I think the, the mistake we can make is we try and get back to the pitter patter. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say that was a stage and yeah. now I get it. Why these older elderly people are always looking at us like young love, you know, and I thought <laughs> I get it now, but I think what I also get to say is mature love. Mature mm-hmm. love is finding that, time to let down together, um, looking at each other across our kids' heads and say, we did well, mm-hmm. we did well. And this was a blessing to partner with you. Now, how do we get to step away from the kids and enjoy one another? Um, and it has to sometimes get very practical. Like we have to put it on the calendar to have uh, just romance time. Um, Cause we have to put boundaries around us to get out of that headspace that we're both operating in <laughs> feels like 24 mm-hmm. seven. And I will either have to leave the house, whether on a walk or whether we go on a vacation or literally go to a hotel, we have to step away from it all. So we can put on our other persona, so to speak yeah. and said, Oh, that's right. We're romantically involved as well. We kind of <laughs> forgot that we just are trying to run our lives over here and keep up with all the different demands on us and they're pulling at us. And with that, the romance just starts slipping away and it's very easy to slide away until pretty soon. um, You barely even have a friendship. You just have a little bit more of a working kind of business partnership. Right. And you brought up a good point about your kids looking over your kid's head. And now you're almost as an empty nester. You're almost there. So how is that? transitioned your relationship? Well, we're kind of, it is powerful. You know, we're grieving that our sweet firstborn is gone. And I think how we're stepping into that together and caring for each other's hearts has been really Hmm. emotionally into just an emotional intimacy piece. You know, he's hurting in a certain way and I'm hurting in a certain way. And you're incredibly happy. It's the most confusing feelings in the world because you're just like, we launched her. Yes. And she's thriving and all oh, boo hoo. Is that her room empty? And is she's not going to come home for Easter? You know, these are all things that we're grappling with to say, man, the roller coaster of emotions when yeah. you've put everything into a child. And we joke with each other like, you're welcome, world. Like we did our job. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. did not shirk from our duties. You, we have this amazing human being that we put everything into. And it is time to launch her. And I would be sad if she was staying home. And yet I'm sad that she's leaving. You know, it's just, Absolutely. it's a conflicting of feelings. Oh, yeah. And I think learning how to grapple with that together has been very powerful. So I think kind of grieving that piece together. And I remember first time she left, we just stood in her room and held each other as we wept. Mm-hmm. And um, I have to be careful talking about it because I'll start th- crying about <laughs> it now. But it was a lifelong project we had we get to honor this and we get to honor the hard work. And now we get to face each other and say, there you are. (laughs) What should we do now? 
And we're very conscious of the fact we have a 16 year old and we're getting ready to launch him. So it's right around the corner, Yeah. but we really want to honor this last year with him and the dynamics of the three of us is very different. Mm. Almost like moving from just to a single, a single child family a little bit more. And that's really weird feeling too, because we've never really had that. None of us have experienced it. So being sensitive to that for all three of us and how we engage with that and then still making time for each other. Mm-hmm. And how has maintaining your relationship while they're in the house helped you now that they're both almost gone out of the house? Well, we have very social kids. Yeah. <laughs> so I think one of the things we always wanted is them to bring all their friends home and to be here. But the flip side of that is oftentimes we find ourselves hiding in our room going, oh my gosh, we just need a little space. <laughs> so I think we're grappling with that and trying to figure out how to engage with our kids and the, the, the social life that they bring with them into the mm-hmm. home that we want to welcome with open arms, but then how to put boundaries down with that and say, we're going out to dinner or we're, we're going to take off for the weekend or <laughs> we're going to do some things for us. We're still working through that, to be honest, to make sure that it works for all of us. And mm-hmm. um, it's, we're in a new adventure. We're in a new life stage. And I think I mentioned earlier, we're actually looking at a motorhome. It feels so cliche, <laughs> the empty nest getting a motorhome, but we're actually thinking about it. We're like, I get it now, you know, like we're free. Like we could just jump in there and live on the road for a couple of weeks or months at a time. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of free. So stay tuned. I don't know where, where we're going to land on that or if that's how we want to play together. or if we, <laughs> <laughs> We're just doing the cliche empty nester thing. <laughs> but it's awesome. You're not just like looking at the past and saying it's over, you're opening up a new chapter and writing a new story for you and Darren. That's beautiful. Yeah. And it's, and it's a new conversation of how do we parent adults? Yeah. You're never done. You know, that's again, the other myth, even though they're 18 and launched and they're very competent, you want to be there for them when they call, you want to be there for them when they bring home their, you know, potential significant others. You want to be there for them when they're grappling with things but you just never know when it's coming. So you want to be there for them, but you also need to live your own life and put boundaries down and be able to start engaging with them mm-hmm. as adults and not as little kids that yeah. they used to be. So it's a very interesting place to be. And I think just staying fully present to what you're feeling allows you to step into that with wisdom and grace to say, I, I can handle this right now, or I can't handle this right now, but I'll tell you when I can handle this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I want to give you my full attention on this, in this conversation and I don't have the space to do it now. Can I call you later tonight? You know, Mm -hmm. simple as that to, Oh, you're bringing five friends home, Mm -hmm. you know? So I have to either think through my own personal calendar so that I can be fully present for them or put a boundary down and say, I won't be able to be here for this day or this day. You know, Mm -hmm. you're just having these more adult conversations. So that's not this, you're dropping everything at the hat at the hat, Mm -hmm. even though it's tempting to, it's not doing yourself any favors and not doing your adult children any favors. Mm-hmm. So as we conclude our marriage series, what final word of advice do you have for marriages to keep growing and blossoming and maturing? I think I'm just really rooting for marriages and cheering them mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say, please don't settle. <laughs> please, mm-hmm. please, please don't settle. Go create the same thing. I would say, go create the life you want, the big, beautiful life you want get the clarity you need, the confidence you need 
the courage you need, go find that to create your big, beautiful life. I would say the same thing with marriages. Mm -hmm. You get to have a thriving marriage and many of us have settled for surviving marriage. And I think that makes me very sad. And we know that none of us stood at that altar and said our vows to each other with the idea of surviving in mind, right? right? We drifted into that. Go get your marriage back. Go get your relationships back. Go get your power back in that, your strength back in that. Same thing I would say for your personal life. And I'm so rooting for marriages and cheering them on and saying, please shoot for higher standards. (laughs) Please don't settle anymore. Please let yourself have that thriving marriage because you guys do love each other and you get to like each other again. And you get to find a way to not only survive it, you get to find a way to thrive in it. And our world will be better with marriages that learn how to thrive. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a perfect way to end this podcast series and a perfect way to end this episode. (laughs) Thank you, Heather. You're welcome. (laughs) Please subscribe to the Heather Penny podcast. And for questions, comments, and resources, visit heatherpenny.com. Remember to live your best life. You have to live intentionally. Have a great day. And we can't wait for you to join us next week. Thank you, Heather. You're welcome. Thank you. Take care, everyone.